Well, good morning, everybody. If you would, stand to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord. Here we go. Thank you. 
what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, he is there for you. Amen. And I want to, I can't think of a greater way to start kind of the Christmas season than to tell you, you need Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. He is our only answer. Amen. So with that thought, uh, put a smile on your face, turn around, tell somebody you sure do look good this morning. All right. And we're going to continue to worship in just a moment. First things first, do we have any visitors today? We do not want to embarrass you, but we would like you to give you a card to fill out. Anybody first-time visitor, second-time visitor today? Everybody's home, folks. All right. That means we got to go out and find some more to bring. Amen. There's people out there that need Jesus. They need this church, and we need them. Amen. So go out and invite somebody. All right. Uh, real quickly, just a few announcements. Uh, giving can be done live in an envelope. Uh, we got envelopes over there. You can do check or cash there. Or you can give online. It's on the screen there. You can go to giving.landmarktyler.com. Uh, let me just share this with you. I know we are in an economic downturn, but our, our giving and our offerings and tithes and offerings have been off. Uh, I think that's to be expected. Most of my preacher friends I've talked to, that's kind of across the board. But that just means I know we're living in times people aren't necessarily making less money, but everything is costing double what it used to cost. You go out to eat, you pay twice as much as you used to pay. Uh, you uh, you go to the grocery store, you spend twice as much as you used to spend. Uh, but we need you to be faithful, amen, uh, during, especially during this season, because uh, in order for us to be able to help other people, that means you've got to be faithful, you've got to give, otherwise we can't do what we need to do. So uh, I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. I'm just going to say everybody tithe, give your offerings, and what we need to do, that leads me to the next thing, that we are doing Christmas Angel Project like we do every year. We want to provide for the needy in our community and be able to give the kids Christmas that aren't fortunate enough to have that. But again, what we need you to do is give. So take an envelope, write Angel Project on it and put the money in there and uh, that will go towards those kids. Uh, that does not need to be in place of your tithe. That needs to be in addition to your tithe, amen. So uh, give towards that if you could because uh, we're gonna take all the money up until December 17th, then we will go buy the presents and we'll have a big party here for all of our bus kids uh, on December the 20th, and we will be able to give them all presents. Last year, we were able to give every kid two, three gifts, and some of those kids I know for a fact that was the only Christmas they got that year. 
so you help us with that if you would uh, give towards that again just write angel uh, christmas angel project on it and, uh, and give towards that and we will use that money wisely all right uh, don't forget uh, we always need volunteers yard team cleaning teams uh, children's ministry so uh, volunteer if you're not already volunteering volunteer for one of those things uh, ladies christmas party fellowship at miss bj daniels and uh, I, I think it's still on go miss bj has been to the hospital with pneumonia uh, so but i think she's doing better so hopefully she's going to be better uh, until you hear different from me we're going to go with this right here though that is this coming saturday december 9th at 6 p.m and uh, there is a sign up sheet at the back uh, so sign up if you would if you can bring food and uh, help out on that that is always a wonderful time if you've never seen her her uh, house at Christmas, it is, uh, it's like Santa land out there. Amen. All right. And uh, then also, uh, uh, don't forget our family ornament tree over here. If you've not brought your family ornament, we started that last year. Bring something that means special to your family to represent uh, your family here at this church family. And hang it on the tree of you. We invite everybody to do that. Uh, we are taking a mission trip to Monterey, Mexico. There's been a few names added back there. If you can go, the dates are February the 24th through the 29th. I'm still working out the, uh, the plane tickets, so don't have a definite price yet. Uh, but if you're interested, just sign up back there and I'll get with you. And then uh, the holidays come a little bit different this year. Uh, not quite as crazy as last year. If you remember last year, Christmas Day fell on Sunday. <clears throat> so that was a little bit different. This year, Christmas Eve falls on Sunday and New Year's Eve falls on Sunday this year. Uh, so what we're going to do is <clears throat> we're going to have Christmas Eve candlelight Lord's Supper service here on Sunday morning, uh, Christmas Eve, December the 24th. All right. So you come and uh, come ready to just to have a great time. We'll be singing all Christmas songs. We'll do candlelight Lord's Supper and uh, we'll have a wonderful, wonderful time. All right. Uh, and I think that is all the announcements. So if you would stand, if you would. Pray for my wife this morning. She woke up with the crud and a fever this morning. Amen. So you get the Brother Mark Trammell show this morning. Amen. Uh, so your love awakens me. Let's sing that together if we could. All right. Here we go.
I love what this next song says. Um, I don't know how many of you need this right now, but I picked this song because this is going to go right along with what I'm fixing to preach on. And uh, we have a lot of fear in our lives today, don't we? Sometimes it seems like things are completely out of control. And sometimes we want to question God. God, what are you doing up there? What in the world is going on? And it's easy for us to be overcome by fear. But as we launch into the Christmas season, there were three times in the Christmas story that angels show up. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about those three, those three angels that show up. But every time the angel shows up, all three times, the very first words out of their mouth are, fear not. Fear not. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen. He's given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. But I'm here to tell you, it's hard. And this, the chorus of this song says this, I am no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. And I don't know if I'm the only one needs that today, but I needed to hear that today. I think probably everybody here needs to hear that today. I'm no longer a slave to fear. So as we approach the Christmas season, Let's remember what the angel says every time. Fear not. There is no reason to fear. Keep your focus on him. Don't put your eyes on me. Don't put your eyes on this church. Don't put your eyes on the world for sure. Don't put your eyes on the commercialism of Christmas or whether you're going to be able to give everybody just the gift they so need. Amen. I sometimes wish for Christmas we just do away with the gifts. That way we can totally concentrate on exactly what Christmas is all about. Amen. But I wanted, I wanted to encourage you today. Fear not. Fear not. You may be, that fear can be all kinds of things. It can be, again, financial. It can be uh, a fear of, well, what if this happens? Or what's going on with the world? Or what if we go to war? Or what, what, what if all this happens? And you cannot live in the what is. Do not be a slave to fear. God did not call us to live in that and be a slave to fear. So let's sing this last song together. And let's proclaim it, if you would, to the Lord.
praise you, Lord. We thank you for all you've done for us, God. And Lord, I pray that today, Lord, as I preach, God, would you move me out of the way? God, there's nothing good in me today except you. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is already in this room, already moving in our hearts. May we not turn your Holy Spirit away. Lord, I pray that everyone would open up their ears and their hearts and their minds and their spirits. May we hear from you today, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you speak to us in power and authority that we may send the devil running, that, Lord, we may tell the spirit of fear and depression and anxiety and worry and fear, get out of here, Satan. You have no place here today. We give you this time in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering if you would. If you have children that uh, would like to go to Children's Church, uh, you can go with the ladies. Uh, Miss April is doing the older kids. You go right through that door. Miss Kim over there. And then if you are with the younger kids, they can go to this door over here, all right? God bless you. You need to use the restroom. Go ahead now. I'm going to ask you to not move around, if you would. Help the preacher with his ADD. And, uh, and help me out, all right? You need to go. Go now, all right? Fear not. Fear of what God might ask me to do or to give up. You ever have that fear? If I give my life to the Lord, what would the Lord ask of me? Now, you, many of you in here, you've been a Christian a long time. And maybe it's been a long time since you had that fear. But I know people, their whole reason for not giving their life to the Lord is because they have a fear that, well, if I give my life to the Lord, the Lord might ask me to do something I don't want to do. So we're going to look today, each time, the fear not, we're going to look at a different scenario. And today's is fear not of what God might ask me to do or might ask me to give up. Because the Lord calls us to change. If you've heard my uh, sermon from the last couple of weeks, it's that, you know, we live in a culture today where everybody says God is love. And that is true. But there's a lot more to God than just love. Amen. He is the righteous judge. Amen. Amen. And many people today want to say, well, you know, we should just uh, love everybody, be tolerant, all roads lead to heaven. Love and tolerance are not the same things. And I can tell you this, Jesus loved people, but he was not tolerant of their sin. He called them out of their sin. He called them to repentance. And that's what God is asking. Many people don't want to come to God because they feel like God's going to ask me to change. God's going to ask me to give up something. And quite honestly, I'm comfortable in my sin. Or I'm comfortable in my complacency. Or I'm comfortable without doing anything for God. I just want to come and sit. But listen, God is calling everybody in this room to much more than that. God is calling you to be more than just a bench warmer, all right? God, God don't have no bench warmers. Everybody in this room, God intends to put you in the game. You are in the game whether you realize it or not. And you're either a good player or a bad player. You're either doing things for the Lord or you may say, well, I ain't doing nothing for the Lord. Well, then that's just as bad as doing something bad for the Lord, all right? Complacency, apathy, laziness. That is just, that's just as bad, and we, it's very easy for us to settle into that. Amen? Uh, we can very easily fall into that laziness or that apathetic attitude. And many people say, well, what if God asked me to do something? Now, here's the first one I always hear. I don't know why it's, why it's Africa, because there's a whole lot of other nations in Africa, but it, that seems to be the one. Well, what if God asked me to go to Africa? 
what's so bad about Africa? I've been there, amen? It really ain't that bad, amen? But for some reason, that's why it's for some reason that people think that is the ultimate of third world. And what if God asked me to go to Africa? I can guarantee you God don't ask everybody to go to Africa, amen? But basically what they're saying is, what if God asked me to go somewhere or do something I don't want to do? Listen, I can tell you this. If God is going to send you somewhere, he will place that burden, that particular place or that particular thing, he will burn it on your heart. If you don't have any desire for it right now, he will burn that on your heart, okay? So we've got to understand this. Uh, what if God asked me to tithe? He does, and he is. Uh, but many of us, we say, well, I, I'd really like to, but I just really can't right now. And I'm not going to say any more about that because I already said something about that. That's between you and the Lord. But the Lord is calling all, all of us to that. Amen. Uh, what if the Lord calls me to give up my addiction? Look at me. He is, he will, and he's going to. Because God calls you to change, right? God calls you to change. If you're going to do things in your life, if there are going to be shifts, I'm right here. If there are going to be shifts, then there has to be change. All right? There has to be change. So if you're questioning, well, what if the Lord asked me to change? I can guarantee you he is. Because all of us have areas in our life we could do better in, couldn't we? And if we're going to do better in those areas, it requires that we change. Well, what if the God, what if God asked me to stop having fun? You know, I, I like this addiction, or I like this, or I like this, and it's fun, and I don't want to give up my fun. Listen, every, every sin, listen, don't let anybody lie and tell you that sin ain't fun because they're lying and they're full of it. Amen? Sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, nobody would be doing it. All right? Sin is fun. But here's the key. Sin is only fun for a season. Amen? Then sin will begin to destroy you from the inside out. Alcohol makes you feel good, and it numbs all the pain, gives you confidence you didn't have, uh, drugs, popping pills, all that will do the same thing, and it will make you feel better for a while. But what happens? Eventually, you crash. That wears off, and then it takes more, and it takes more, and it takes more, and hence comes the addiction. And then you find you, you wake up one day, and you go, how did I get here? I'm addicted to this, and now I can't get it out of my life, and now I can't have a normal life because now that's the only way I can feel decent is to numb myself. Can I tell you this? You're trying to fill a hole with something that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. You're numbing yourself with alcohol. You're numbing yourself with drugs. You're numbing yourself with food. Oh, Brother Mark, don't go there. Uh, you're numbing yourself with pornography. You're numbing yourself. Whatever the addiction with shopping, spending money you don't have, uh, you, you name it. All of sin is really an addiction. That's why my, my theory is, Everybody in here is an addict. We're all addicted to something because we all have a sin we struggle with. Amen? So we're really all addicts. So God is calling you to change. He does not call you to change to stop having fun. He says, I've come that you might have abundant life and have a more full life. I'm not coming to spoil your fun. I'm coming to change what you think is one type of fun for a fun that never wears out. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Anybody who thinks Christians... Can't have fun without being high or drunk. Ain't never been to Landmark Baptist Church, have they? Amen? I'm here to tell you, y'all have some fun. Now, I've been with y'all. Y'all have some fun. All right. So um, here's the thing that happens. 
we fear is the opposite of faith. And, and really, that's not even true. Not only is fear the opposite of faith, but fear is a faith in the things, in the wrong things. Because many of us, we have faith in the what ifs. We ask the what ifs in life. You've heard me say this before. Uh, I have a pet peeve because many people are what I call <clears throat> worst case scenario people. You know what I'm talking about? They look at a situation and they immediately go to the worst case scenario. And, uh, and that ends up being where, exactly where they go. The what ifs of, well, what if I lose my job? Then I ain't got no money, and uh, there probably won't be any other job. And how will I make a living? And then we won't be able to eat, and then we'll have to we'll lose our house. And, we'll, and they just go deeper and deeper down the hole. You know the kind of people I'm talking about? They can't just stop right here. They got to go all the way down the hole, amen, and just totally depress themselves and totally. And, and here's the thing. Don't be a worst-case scenario person because that's a, that's a faith in what ifs. The what ifs say, what if I lose my job? Or the what ifs say, uh, what if the economy falls apart? Well, guess what? It is, and it, it's going to. Amen. Uh, the economy has always done that. It's it, it's an up and down roller coaster thing. Uh, well, what if what if my spouse cheats on me? You have no control over that. If uh, if your spouse wakes up tomorrow and loses their ever loving mind and decides I don't want to be married to you anymore, there's nothing you can do to change it. That's the fun part about marriage, isn't it? <laughs> the fun part about marriage is I can't change that other person. Amen. Right. And that's what will drive you crazy because I, I can change me, but I cannot change that other person. And if they go off on a wild hair or they lose their ever-loving mind and they just decide they don't want to love the Lord anymore and they don't want to serve the Lord anymore and they don't want to be married to you anymore, there's not a thing you can do about it. There are certain things that are outside of your control. What's that serenity prayer? God, give me the uh, grace to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right? So understand what you control, understand what you can't control. What if I never marry single people in the house? What if the Lord never brings me anybody? And you spend all this time praying, oh, Lord God, send me somebody, send me somebody. And then you might get the question after you marry him, Lord, why did I marry a jerk? Now I wish I was single again. Sometimes you pray for something and you pray for something all your life, and then God gives it to you and you go, ooh, I was really better off back over here, wouldn't I? <laughs> Amen? Because there are things worse than being alone, and being in the marriage from hell is one of them. Amen? So what if I married a jerk? That's a whole other sermon. I ain't going there today, all right? Um, here's what happens. A fear drives irrational panic. Did you catch that? Fear drives irrational panic. Once we get fear in our lives, we become irrational, and we just start, again, going off the deep end. And go, oh my, well, what if this changes? And what does this happen? And, you know, we, we forget that God has brought us through many, many storms. God has brought us through very, very hard things. And guess what? Always remember the past, because if God brought you through that, then he has the power to bring you through this. Amen? So you have, to, you have to remind yourself sometimes, don't fall into the trap of irrational panic. Now, where do you think that fear and that irrational panic comes from? If it don't come from God, there's only one other place it can come from, and that's the enemy. The enemy wants to send you down the rabbit hole. The enemy wants to send you down that fear of irrational panic, and you just losing your mind, and you just start to unravel. You ever seen a string 
come loose in the clothing, and it just keeps, keeps going, keeps unraveling. That's what your life will do if you don't learn to control it, learn to breathe, and have some faith in God, and stop that unraveling, okay? So why are we afraid of God's plans? Why are we afraid to give him control? You know, you've heard me say this many times. I believe most people in this room have been saved, and which means most people in this room, Jesus is your Savior, but you'll notice there's always another term that comes along with it uh, that Paul called us to, that we may, that Jesus is our Savior and our what? Now, when Jesus becomes your Lord, that's a whole other level. That's a whole other thing. I believe most everybody in here, Jesus is your Savior. Can I say this, though? I think probably there's very few in here that are living like Jesus is their Lord. Because, again, what does that require? For Jesus to be my Lord... I have to give him complete control. He's a king, not a beggar. He will not beg you to do it, but he wants you to choose to give him control. Give him the keys. Let him get in the driver's seat. You get out and go around, and you get in the passenger seat. And you say, whatever you want, Lord, wherever you're going, that's where I'm going. Wherever you lead me, I will follow. That's a whole different thing. Can Jesus be your Savior and not your Lord? Yeah, I think probably that's, that's because of that's where a lot of Christians are. And the reason they don't have, they never seem to have that abundant life and to be totally content and happy in their life with Jesus is because he, they haven't made him Lord yet. So really the call today is he's your Savior. Probably most everybody in here, he's your Savior. But is he really your Lord? Are you living your life like he is your Lord? And that simply means do I trust him? If he's the Lord and he's the master and I'm the slave, that means I do whatever he says. I trust him implicitly. I don't question him, whatever he says. When he says do something, I don't question. I'm the slave. I don't have any rights. I don't have a right to say, well, why, Lord? Or why are we doing that? Or, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable doing that. We are simply to say, yes, Lord, you're the master. I'm the slave. So why are we afraid of God's plans? I'm going to give you two of them, all right? Number one is this. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. I would say 99% of the time, God's interruptions are inconvenient. That means God's going to call you to do something at the worst possible time. He's going to do it at a time when you say, well, Lord, I, I can't do that right now. i got too much going on. Or my life is in a turmoil, and I can't, I can't do that. I can't, but, you know, even to the little things of, well, that person's on the side of the road, and they need my help, but I'm late to work. And, I, I, Lord, I would love to help them. And minister to them, but I just, I don't have the time. Listen, let's go to the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Y'all remember a little gal named Mary? A little gal named Mary. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mary before we read this. Mary, at the time, before her world gets rocked, is just a little virgin girl, but she's engaged. And she is enjoying her time of engagement. Anybody in here ever been engaged? It's a wonderful, glorious time before you're really married and all the real fun starts. Amen. And everything is ideal. You're dreaming of you're dreaming of your beautiful wedding and flowing down in white. You're dreaming of the wonderful house and the little picket fence in the front. And he goes to work and comes home at exactly five every day. And y'all kiss at the door and you have dinner on the table and everything is just it's perfect. It's perfect. All right. Well, this is where Mary's at. Mary has not a care in the world. Mary is engaged to a wonderful guy named Joseph. And she's looking forward 
And what is Mary looking forward to? I'm looking forward to an easy marriage. I'm looking forward to the honeymoon. I want to have a perfect white wedding. And I want to have a wonderful honeymoon. And then me and Joseph, we're going to be married forever. We're going to have a family. We'll start a family maybe a few years down the road. Everything will be wonderful. Mary has everything planned out in her little perfect world in the way she wants it to go. But God is fixing to rock her world. Now, we glamorize the Christmas story, and we glamorize Mary and Joseph. But this was hell for them. Imagine, ladies, you, and you're not married to this man. And God says, I know you're a virgin, but I'm fixing to make you pregnant. And you got to go tell everybody, oh, well, this is God's child. And see how that goes over. Oh, yeah. Is that's how that happened? Really? That's God's child inside of you. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm going to buy that. So Mary lost her reputation because ain't wasn't nobody buying that story. Joseph is disgraced, the one that she loves, because now he's like, you're pregnant? Well, I know you and I hadn't, so who you been with, you know? So this is what Joseph has to deal with. So this little interruption that we call the, oh, the beautiful Christmas story, it is not as beautiful as you want to make it out to be. It was great shame, great distress, and this rocked Mary and Joseph's world. So let's read it, 26 through 29. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is the first angel, angel Gabriel, was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. <clears throat> to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, see, in the Christmas story, most of us think, oh, well, you know, Mary, the angel appears, and Mary's, oh, look, it's, it's an angel. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And she just says, oh, really? I'm going to have God's baby? I'm going to have the Messiah, the Savior of the world? That is so wonderful. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you so much. I'm just going to enjoy this so much. Thank you so much. That ain't the way it went down. She saw him. She's scared. She's freaked out, and she's troubled at what he's saying, and she's like, uh, excuse me, who, who are you, and what are you saying? What are you telling me? Because you got to remember, she has to accept this before anybody else accepts it, and the angel is telling her, oh, rejoice, Mary. This is going to be good. You are highly favored. God chose you. Mary didn't necessarily see it that way. You know, when God shows up and asks you, let's just say if he did ask you to go to Africa, he says, Guess what, Ricky Keller? You're highly favored. You need to sell everything you got, and I'm going to move you to Africa. Well, gee, thanks, Lord. I appreciate that. Amen? He don't answer the questions. He don't tell you when, how, why. He just says, here's what I got for you, and you're supposed to just rejoice in it. Amen? Doesn't necessarily always go down that way, does it? Um, what we call interruptions, God calls invitations. See, God will show up, and he will interrupt your life. Um, I got saved at 16. Most of you have heard my testimony. I got saved as a teenager. Uh, in between my sophomore year, I got saved the summer before I went into my junior year of high school. And so I, I gave my heart to the Lord 
But I really had no idea what that required. And then God just kept doing things in my life, and God kind of interrupted my life. And, I, you know, I was planning, all right, what am I going to do? I'm getting ready to graduate high school. And uh, so I've got my plans. You know how you do. Uh, you know, when you get ready to graduate high school, you're ready to get on with the next chapter of your life, and what are you going to do with your life, what career, all those things. So that's, that's where I was at. And the summer of my senior year, after I'd graduated, uh, God got a hold of me and called me into the ministry. And I went forward. I surrendered the ministry. I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. I didn't have a clue what that entailed. I didn't have a clue what that meant, really, or even what kind of ministry. But God showed up, and he interrupted my plans. And I can tell you today, uh, after all these many years uh, of looking back, uh, 40 some odd years that uh, it was wonderful looking back at the time it, it just seems like an interruption it don't seem like oh man God's fixing to change your life he's going to change the entire course of your direction and God is in control you trust him it's going to be wonderful it's like the first time they strapped you in you remember the first time uh, I up to a certain point was deathly afraid of roller coasters but then when I was in uh, junior high, I think, uh, our school took a class trip to Six Flags over Texas. Anybody here remember Six Flags over Texas? And you're with your, now you're not with just your mom and dad. Now you're with your peer group. And everybody says, let's go ride that new roller coaster. And you can't seem like you're a chicken, amen? So you got to muster up all your bravery and you get on that thing, and they strap you in that thing, and you are scared to death. Because you don't really like this, but you don't want to lose face in front of all your friends, amen? And you don't want to be called a baby in front of your peer group. That's kind of what it's like. God says, oh, it's going to be fun. Come on, Mark. Come on. I'm going to strap you in this roller coaster. You ever seen that one on Facebook when it says when the Holy Spirit shows up, and it's got a kid on a roller coaster, and he's just screaming, and the girl next to him just having a good time? It's like the Holy Spirit shows up. It, it will either scare you to death or it will set you free. Amen. One gal, she's just having a good time. The other kid, he's, ah, he's just screaming, you know. And that's kind of what happens with the Lord sometimes. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, and it will either set you free or it will scare you to death. But many of us, it just scares us to death. Because I can guarantee you, going with the Lord's way and going with his plans, it's a roller coaster. You don't never know what's going to happen. Amen. The God has changed course on me so many times. And changed the plan so many times. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? 46 years old, God calls me to preach. Not only God calls me to preach, God says, go plant a church. Plant a church? Is that like planting a tree or a flower? Or what? I don't even know what that is. But God says, do that. 46, when I'm supposed to be kind of ramping down, if you will, amen, I've got it all figured out, and now I'm going to be, uh, you know, doing what I've done, and I'm just going to finish out with that, and it's going to be good, and God says, no, I, I want you to do something completely and totally different, God interrupts you, amen, now I stand here before you today and say, I, I hope it's working out okay, I don't know, that's, you're the judge of that, amen, all right, but uh, here I am, and this is what God does, and I, I stand here before you because God does that, he just it's the roller coaster ride of living for the Lord. But don't, under, but don't get caught up in that it's an interruption because God is inviting you to live that abundant life. Um, who are some other people that God interrupted? You remember a guy named Moses? God shows up and show, tells Moses, I want you to lead these two million people over here. 
and I'm going to put you in charge. And Moses, he stutters. He has a speech impediment. He says, no, surely you don't mean me, Lord. And so the Lord interrupts Moses and says, Moses, I know you're out here in the desert hiding. Remember, he was out there in the desert hiding because he then killed an Egyptian, and they were going to catch him, so he ran off. So you know what he's done for the last 40 years? Tending sheep, talking to nobody. He's just preaching to the sheep. And God says, all right, them sheep were pretty good practice. Now go preach to these 2 million people over here and lead them, be their leader. And Moses says, I am not ready for that, Lord. And the Lord says, you better get ready. Amen. Uh, remember a guy named Jonah? God tells Jonah, Jonah, you know them people over there that you hate and that you're racist about over there in Nineveh? Hate them people. Hate them Ninevites. I want you to go over there and I want you to preach to them. <laughs> no way, Lord. Not me. I ain't doing that. And God says, all right, get on out there. Go wading in the ocean there. I got something for you. I got something. Just go on out there. Go ahead, Jonah. Get a little further. A little further. Get on out there. And then three days later, what happens? Spits him up. Where's he at? Shore in Nineveh. Amen. You can tell God no if you want to. It don't go real well. Amen. Uh, Saul. Saul was the chief guy in charge of persecuting Christians. And then he's on his way one day on the road to Damascus. And the Lord shows up and blinds him. Knocks him off the horse and blinds him. And says, Saul, guess what? We fixed to change your direction. So I'm going to blind you for a few days. I'm going to let these guys come and get you. And they're going to minister to you. And uh, you're going you're to end up writing most of the New Testament. People are going to be reading your words thousands of years from now. And you're going to go from killing Christians to changing people's lives. God changes it, interrupts it. Amen. Don't run from it. Let him interrupt you because it's his invitation to something better, something better. Okay. All right. Um, Luke chapter 1 verse 30 then says this. And this is what the angel said to her. He said, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Leave that up just a second. If you don't have that, underline, underline that word favor with God. I don't know if you understand what favor with God is. But it is something everybody in this room needs to strive for and long for. Because when you have the favor of God on you, that literally means you have the hand of God on you. And you can do all the things in the world, but if you don't have the hand of God on you, you don't really have the power of God. Some people might, let, let me use words maybe you might understand if you grew up in the Pentecostal or the Assemblies of God. The anointing. You ever hear that word? The anointing, the hand of God upon you. Full of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, that just made a bunch of Baptists nervous right there. Amen. You can call him Holy Spirit, but you go to calling him Holy Ghost. Woo, wait a minute now. The moving of the Holy Spirit, the, the touch of God, the anointing of God, whatever you want to call it, whatever word you want to put to it, the favor in the hand of God. Because I'm here to tell you, and you've heard me say this before, a curse is not somebody slinging a curse at you out of their mouth. The curse of God, in the biblical sense, is when God removes his hand from you, when he removes that favor from you. When you say, Lord, I don't want to do it your way, and God says, all right, I'm just going to take my hand off. You know what happens when he takes his hand off? The devil has full access to you. Full access to you. You remember the story of Job? This is just a sidebar. But the devil says, 
You let me get at Job. In other words, even the devil himself knew, I can't get to Job, God, unless you take your hand off of him. That's, the whole, that's basically the whole story of Job. God, you take your hand off of him, and you let me give him some stuff, he'll curse your name. God says, no, he won't. No, he won't. And he says, but in order to prove, I'm going to take my hand off. And all those things happen. Why? Because the devil had full access to Job. Amen. You and I need to understand. There is nothing you need to pray for more. You need to stop praying for stuff. You need to stop praying for financial gain. You need to stop praying for all that. Just go to praying for the favor of God. The anointing of God. The presence of God. Now, it doesn't just happen. You've got to go after it, and you've got to look for it. And as with most blessings, it comes with a requirement. You need to do it his way. Not your way. Not what makes you comfortable. Let him drive. Let him drive. Amen. Um, number two. Hello? Hello? It's God calling. God's purpose is often different than your plan. All right? God's purpose is often different than your plan. Now, the first thing we see is, God, that's an interruption. The second thing we see is, well, God, wait a minute. I already had a plan. I got, I, I got my whole life planned out. Now, is it okay to dream? Sure. Is it okay to have a five-year plan, ten-year plan? Sure. God wants you to have goals. But here's the thing you and I need to understand as Christians, especially as Christians, that I need to give God the power to change the plan at any point in time. God says, go ahead, dream your dreams. And, and I might even let some of those dreams come true and happen. But guess what? If I'm God and you're not, then you got to let me, you got to give me the opportunity to, if, I, if we need to change course or I need to do something different, you got to give me the right to do that. I won't take it from you, but you have to choose to give it to me. Give me the right to come in and change the plan if I need to. Can I tell you, be careful when you do that? Because you might end up the pastor of Landmark Baptist Church. <laughs> because when you give him complete control and you say, God, at any point in time, if you want to change the plan, wait a minute, I sure wasn't planning at 46 to change the plan, but that's, that was God's plan, amen? So here's what you've got to understand. God knows better than you do. God knows better than I do. God knows where I need to be, when I need to be, and God's timing, God's will is just as much about his timing as it is anything else. If you'd have told me even, let's see, how long have I been the pastor here? Four years if you even told me five years ago, Brother Mark, you're going to end up being the pastor of Landmark Baptist Church. I told you, you've lost your ever-loving mind. Amen. Nothing against Landmark, but I did my time there, and I had a wonderful time there. But I've, I've gone and I've done this, and then we came back to Tyler and planted a church. We've been doing that for 10 years, perfectly happy doing that. And God was doing great things. That was not in my plan at all. So even in five years, again, nothing against Landmark, but I just, I just went to, no, that's, that's Brother Mike's church. And no way I'd end up the pastor. And, you know, that's, that's not even on my radar. But listen, you got to understand, God's ways, what does he say, are higher than your ways. Amen? And you got to get out of the, the biggest problem in my life. Look at me. The biggest problem in my life, and I'm going to probably say in your life, is me staying out of the way. The biggest problem in your life is you staying out of God's way. Because I want to get in the way a whole lot of times 
of what God wants to do. Well, God, no, wait, wait a minute, God. I had a plan. Listen to my plan first and see, I think you'll like my plan. And then maybe you'll say, well, you know, Mark, I didn't even think about that. That's good. Let's go with your plan. No, God says, no, I got a plan, and it's my plan or no plan. All right? Now, uh, God's purpose often different than your plan. Look at Luke 1, 31 through 33. And behold, this is still the angel talking to Mary. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, here's the problem, again, with Mary and Joseph. This is rocking their world. And one of the first things that Mary's probably saying is, what are people going to say about me? Because I'm going to try to tell them this story that, well, an angel showed up to me and said, you've never had sex, but guess what? I'm going to make you pregnant, and I'm going to make you pregnant with God's son. And that's the story I got to tell people. They ain't going to buy that. What are people going to say about me? Now, again, what you don't hear in the Christmas story a lot is that Mary lost her reputation. People shunned her. Why? Because she was a good Jew, and she had had sex outside of marriage in their mind. They said, oh, yeah, that God stuff, I ain't buying that. All right, so you did what you were not supposed to do, so we're going to shun you. We're not going to have any fellowship with you because you have broken the Jewish law, and you are outside of God's will. She's, she's been chosen to have the Son of God, but yet people are saying, we're going to shun you because you've broken, you know, you, you're not doing what God is. God ain't happy with you. Totally different. Didn't understand. So they're going to talk about her. She's lost her reputation. Joseph brings him great shame. Who'd that girl sleep with? I thought she was, wasn't, that, wasn't she engaged to you? And now she's pregnant? Did you sleep with her? Uh, no. Well, who did? You know, what, what are you doing here? You need to kick her to the curb. Amen? So this is what Mary and Joseph have to deal with, all right? Uh, just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher. There's a song, an old song, called That For Him Did. And it's a Christmas song. It says, the, that, the title of it, and I always loved it because I thought it's very appropriate. This is such a strange way to save the world. You see, the whole story of Jesus coming and being born to a virgin, being born in a manger to lowly people, common people, that didn't make sense. That's why the Jews couldn't accept it. They expected their Messiah to be born in a palace and born to royalty and born in a, in a gold manger, if anything else, amen? But they could not accept. But, Jesus, and, and, but God had a different plan because God wanted his son to be identified with us the common folks, sinners, amen? But this is such a strange way to save the world. Would any of us have dreamed up this scenario of how to save the world from its sins? No, but God's ways are higher than your ways, amen, and my ways. Um, how does that relate to you and I today? Maybe you've struggled, you were never able to have children. Uh, and then God says, I need you to adopt. There are children all over the world who need somebody to adopt. They need a good Christian home. And so you see you not being able to have children as a blessing and not a curse. You see, so much in our life, it's our perspective that's wrong. 
It's not that the Lord's wrong. Well, I, I never could have my own baby. Why would God do that to me? Maybe because he knew you were special enough that some adopted child needed you and needed you to raise them. You need to see that as an honor and a privilege, not an interruption. You need to see that as an invitation to do something great for the Lord. Maybe God gave you a special needs child. Listen, my utmost respect. Amen. Because if God chose you to have a special needs child, that means God thought you were special enough to be able to handle that. Amen. And it is all in the perspective of how you look at it. Is it a curse? Is it a blessing? Is it God's interruption or is it God's invitation to something I never dreamed would be such a blessing? Amen. Uh, maybe you lose your job. I've known people that lose their jobs and they went down the rabbit hole and said, what am I going to do? I've lost my job. I worked there for 20 years. And then an opportunity comes along for them to start their own business or get in partnership with somebody else or an even better job comes along. And they say, you know, I never would have taken the chance to do that if God hadn't made me lose that job. Again, it's a curse or a blessing. Is it an interruption or an invitation? Sometimes God has to kick you out of there to get you to the next place. He knows you need to go to the next place, but he knows you'll never do it on your own because you're too comfortable. And so God says, got to get you out of here. You know how that mama bird has to kick that baby bird out of the nest? It ain't never going to learn to fly. You ever felt like that? Did your mom and your daddy do that to you? Amen. My mom and daddy said, it's time to go, son. Amen. Uh, you're, you're a full-fledged adult now. Amen. Uh, they, they, had, they let me stay through college, but the minute I got through with college, it's like, all right, it's time to go to work. You got to get off of this payroll. And so go on out. Amen. They kick you out of the nest. That's, that seems, maybe it seems harsh at the time, but now you know as you're older, that's a reality because I am a creature of comfort. And if I'm comfortable and mom and daddy's feeding me and I got a nice clean uh, bed over here and somebody does my laundry and all that for me, because I was a mama's boy, amen. My mama, she just did it for me, didn't even ask me to learn to do it, amen. But she took care of me. I was spoiled rotten, all right? By my own admission, I was spoiled rotten. And then I got out and my wife looked at me like, I ain't doing that for you, <laughs> amen. You, you telling me you didn't learn to do that, amen. So we get spoiled. We get, we get lazy, don't we? We get lazy, we get complacent, and sometimes we got to be <clears throat> kicked out of there to get to where we need to be. Can I tell you this? You may say, well, how is it possible? How could I ever live on my own? How could we ever raise an adopted child? How could we ever raise a special needs child? How could I ever have enough courage to go out and start my own business? How could I do that? How could this happen? You know, that's what Mary said immediately when the angels stopped talking. He said, how can this happen? How can this happen? How is this possible? God makes all things possible. If you have a broken marriage, God can heal it. If you're having trouble paying the bills, God can help you financially. Now, will he do it for you? Will he dig you out of your own hole that you dug? No, but he will meet you halfway and he will help you. He will help you survive. How, how am I possibly going to survive this storm in my life? God can get you through it. He's brought you through others. He'll bring you through this one. But sometimes it seems impossible. But God is always there. The end of the story. Let's look at it. Luke 1, 35 through 37. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. 
Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. God again had showed up and made her pregnant late in life. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You know who was in Elizabeth's womb? John the Baptist. Amen. Ready to go right before the Messiah. Now, here's what I need you to understand. What is God asking you to trust him with? This is the question. Remember earlier I said everybody, probably most everybody in here, Jesus is your Savior. But the question becomes, why is Jesus not your Lord? Why is he not driving? What is the biggest fear you have? Here's even the thing we'll do. We'll, We'll do, Lord, I'll give you this, I'll give you this, I'll give you this. But there's certain areas you got to stay away from. I got this closet of things over here, and those that's my closet, and I don't need you to mess in those areas. You can have all this, but my finances, no, I worked for that. That's mine. That's by the sweat of my brain. You can't touch that. Or you can have all this area, but my marriage and my family, this means too much to me, and I don't want, I don't want to take a chance on you doing anything different with it. So you can have all this area, but you can't have my family. And that's, we, that's how we want to tell God. We want to tell God, you can have all these other areas, but you can't have that area. It, it's all or nothing, folks. If he is your Lord, it's all or nothing. He's the master. You're the slave. I want you to hear this right here. Change. Change is a dirty word. It's the one thing that's constant in this life. It's the one thing we all resist against. But I want you to hear what I'm saying here today. Look me straight in the eye. Nothing changes without change. See, the problem is we don't like change, but we realize that there are a lot of things in my life that need to change. But there will not be a change in your life until you change some of the things you're doing. If you don't like being an alcoholic, you got to change some things to be able to not be an alcoholic, to break those chains. If you don't like the position you're in in life, it may mean you need to go back to school, or it may mean you need to get extra training, or it may mean you need to do this or that. But change, what is the definition of insanity? We've all heard it. The definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. It does not happen that way. Change in your life. If you don't like where you're at, change requires change. Figure it out. What is God asking you to trust him with? The last scripture is Luke 1.38. It says, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What does that verse say right there? Mary finally said, I don't, I don't like this. I don't get this. I'm questioning this. But right here, this is where Mary makes the decision to give it up. She says, all right. Okay. You're the angel Gabriel standing right here in front of me. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you said, whatever you just said, I accept that, and I'm going with it. Amen. Many of us, we hadn't got to that point yet. God says, I really want to do something with you, but you got to give it up. I'm not going to force you to give it up, but you got to give up these areas of your life that you don't want to give to me. 
these things in your life that you don't want to change, these things in your life that you're too comfortable with, these things in your life that you're addicted to, these things in your life that are a crutch to you. I'm not going to make you give them up. You have to choose to give them up. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. The band's going to come back up at this point. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. I want you to listen to this last statement. In what we're doing in life, the outcome is God's responsibility, but the obedience is your responsibility. Your only job, my only job, is just to be obedient and do what he asked me to do. And I'm supposed to leave the outcome up to him. Let him drive. Let him lead where he wants to lead you. All right? Give it up. He will not make you give it up. You have to choose to give it up. If you're here today, you're struggling. Maybe he's your Savior, but he's not your Lord. You can choose to make him Lord today. Maybe you've never given your heart and life to Christ. You can start square one right there. Maybe you've wandered far away from him. You need to recommit yourself to him. I always want to lead you in a prayer because he is always as close as a prayer away. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray this prayer with me in your heart and mind and spirit. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. And Lord, right now I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and save me from myself. Lord, I give you my entire life. Lord, today I ask you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I release all power to you. I give you my life, Lord. I pray for your favor. I pray that you'd have your hand on me. In Jesus' name. If you will, let's all stand. And uh, we're going to play through a little bit of... uh, Just play something. In the key of uh, G. Uh, Brother Martin will be on this side of the stage Brother Hayden will be over here I'll be in the middle If you need somebody to pray with you Or the altar is open Father have your will in your way in this time In Jesus name Amen You come as you need to
Well, we always want to end with a uh, time of worship and praise. So let's sing, if you would, Your Love Awakens Me. All right. I got to find the right song.
Well, I hope that you're uh, gearing up for a great Christmas, and I hope that that message spoke to you. In fact, uh, just to share a couple things, I know uh, Terry and Brother Herschel came today and said, I prayed that prayer with you about making Jesus Lord over certain areas of my life. Amen. And so we want to uh, we want to rejoice in that. Did anybody else pray that prayer and say, Lord, I, I've got certain areas of my life I need to make you Lord, and thank you. Hands all over. I hope that you go make those changes. Amen. Not a better time at Christmas time. What a present to give the Lord than to say, Lord, I want to I want to change an area of my life. I don't think you can give the Lord a better present than that to say, Lord, I'm going to give you a part of me that I've been holding back. I've been holding on to myself. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything you did in this place today. Let us go out from here and be a witness in every place we go and everything we do in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget the ladies uh, fellowship at BJ's house. Sign up sheets on the back table.